We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Oregon Ducks come in at number six in the latest college football playoff ranking. With two games left to go in the regular season, the playoffs are still in reach. And we're back like we never left. Oregon fans, what's going on? How we living? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks over on Fan Nation, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. And I got my guy, Spencer McLaughlin, joining me on today's episode of the pod. Obviously, an understandable fan favorite. And we're doing some college football playoff talk. We got Oregon at number six, and we're just gonna we're gonna talk about it all. More big picture episodes. Spencer, thanks for being here, man. How you doing? Yeah, always. I am uh, excited and getting more and more nervous about the landscape of this college football playoff picture as things go forward, which we're about to dive into. But college football is the best, and we, we waited. You know, something I remind people of sometimes on my show is, you know, nine months is the time period roughly between. Oregon's last game of the season and their first game of the next season. And for nine months we waited and there were countdowns. I, I had a fan on my show doing a countdown every day. Once we got inside like 30, right? He'd comment on the YouTube video every day, 31 days, 30 days, 29. Now it's all finally here and happening. And I'm just trying to enjoy it. Cause it's going to be over before we know it. it. It really does feel like that, man. Cause there's two games left in the regular season. So I'm obviously focused on that and what the ducks are doing. And then, the regular season ends and then we got the early signing period, which is like my bread and butter, obviously, and what I'm going to be super focused on. I think the Ducks are going to finish big, especially with this Jimbo uh, firing at, at A&M. Watch gotta, for the portal. Watch, gotta, yeah, watch, watch, watch for the, for the portal, portal is an understatement. Uh, check out my my episode uh, from a couple days ago. This one's coming out on Friday, but check out my episode from a couple days ago where I talk about what that means for Oregon on the recruiting trail for some good stuff there. But Spencer, let's just run through it real quick. We got the top six in order: Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Florida State, Washington at ten and zero, and then Oregon at number six, the top one loss team. What uh, What are some of your thoughts, just off rip here, about Oregon coming in at number six? Florida State being number four is a comical joke and an absolute abomination. And I say that as a diehard Oregon fan, but let's be objective here. That's ridiculous. And it does not bode well for the Ducks. That is the other problem here. If 
you look at Florida State's resume and compare it to Washington's, there is no way by any objective measure you can look and say Florida State has had the more impressive resume. And if you say, well, Washington struggled in this game and that game, Florida State struggled with Boston College. They played a decent but not great Miami team to a one-touchdown game at home last week. They beat Pitt in an uninspiring 24-7 victory. Like, they do not have a – the ACC stinks. It's so bad. The ACC and the Big 12 are not deep conferences. They have a couple of good teams. They are not good conferences. They do not compare to the pack. You look at how they fared in the non-conference, the Big 12 especially, is just absolutely horrible. But the ACC is not that much better. And I think that Florida State being there is a horrible sign. If Florida State has one loss, I don't care if they win the ACC championship, they should not be in the playoff. You know who the Seminoles play this week, Max? Can you can you tell me? North Alabama, baby. North Alabama. Powerhouse. A lot of people, lot of people listening to this show might know. I'm the voice of the Thunderbirds for Southern Utah. North Alabama is in our conference. That's the newly minted United Athletic Conference, an FCS league that is a mashup of the ASUN and the WAC. Okay, that is who Florida State is playing this week in the thick of a college football playoff hunt. Alabama, meanwhile, is playing Chattanooga. Just give me a break with this crap. It's so dumb scheduling continues to be the biggest problem in all of college football. It drives me absolutely insane. Washington is playing or Washington's playing at Oregon state. The ducks are playing Arizona state. Is Arizona state that good? No. You know how much Arizona state would beat North Alabama by? I've got Probably a hint. A I got a hint for you. It's over 25. It would be by a lot of points. North Alabama is not even a good UAC team anyway. So I think, and the T-Birds are. So I, I just look at what, you know, is happening there and I don't care for it. And then there's this looming Alabama problem, which I talked about on Lockdown Pac-12 a few weeks ago. But Max, just, just say this out loud with me here. One loss SEC champion Alabama. They getting kept out of the playoff? I don't, I don't see it happening. I don't, I, I, I don't see that either. Here's the conundrum that creates. What if Georgia is therefore a 12 and 0, or sorry, a 12 and 1 non power five champion? You got a team out of the SEC that's a two time reigning national champion. Boy, I, like I both would have to make it right. Well, they, sh- they shouldn't, but it feels like they will, right? So the Big Ten champions getting in, either Ohio State or Michigan, one of the, I am confident based on the committee's history, one of Ohio State or Michigan won't get it. Whoever loses the game, whoever wins it next week will go to the Big Ten championship game, will beat whoever they play on the other side. It will not matter. And the Big Ten champion will be undefeated and get in, as they should be. So that's one team. The SEC champion is getting in. The question Oregon would like for that to be Georgia. That's the best outcome here. Or maybe Georgia gets upset. They're on the road against Tennessee this week. If Georgia loses that game, that would be a great thing for the Ducks. But there are just a lot of complicated scenarios here. And the Ducks need one one of a couple things to happen to ensure that winning out gets them into the college football playoff. They need either Georgia or Alabama to lose between now and the SEC championship game. 
And it would also be nice if one of Florida State or Texas lost. Because I think if Florida State loses, they'd fall behind the Ducks in the rankings. And Texas losing, depending on what happens with Alabama, is something that would also help tremendously. That would keep the Big 12 out of the college football playoff, and the Big 12 is terrible. And Texas has not been super impressive, though they do have a good resume if you just look at all of their wins and whatnot. But here's the thing. Texas... Oregon fans' rooting interest for Texas depends on what happens with Alabama. Because currently, as the rankings have reflected for several weeks now, Texas is serving as a buffer between the Ducks and Alabama. Because Texas has the head-to-head. And I don't think even if Alabama wins the SEC championship, it can be justified that they jump Texas with the same record and Bama having played one last Power 5 team and Texas owning the head-to-head in Tuscaloosa by 10 points in which they were clearly the better team. So it's a complicated world there. A lot of things can still go down, but this weekend, Oregon is rooting. Yes. I think for Washington and for Tennessee to beat Georgia. And if, you know, Bama loses to Chattanooga, that of course not, not going to happen, but Texas losing is both good and bad. So that's kind of where things stand right now and why it's just, it's just so murky. It's so murky and it feels, I just have this feeling in my stomach of like, mm, I don't like it. Yeah. It, oh God. But this is uh, I don't know. This is why you maybe root for a little bit of chaos, obviously not for Oregon. You want right. them to take care of business. If you're a duck fan on the road in ASC uh, at ASU. So maybe we kind of have to find ourselves asking the question. Maybe you already applied, uh, inferred it, um, implied it. Uh, who's more likely to lose then? Do we think Texas or Florida State. Florida State has uh, North Alabama, like you mentioned, uh, again, and they also have Florida on um, the weekend of Thanksgiving. And then Texas has a road trip to, to Ames against Iowa State, and then a home rivalry game, if you call it a rivalry, against Texas Tech. Maybe that's kind of the question that we have to ask ourselves. Duck fans should be reminded, I know it took me a second to realize this, um, the Red Raiders don't have Tyler Shuck anymore. He suffered an injury. It felt like right after... Uh, the Oregon game. It was like a week or two after. I think it was the sure. week after the Oregon game. So yeah, who who are we feeling more confident in, in losing again? Do we think Texas or Florida State? Because it looks like it's going to be tough to see an Alabama loss coming before the SEC title game. Yeah, the answer is Texas. You know, Auburn is competent and they have them at home. You know, Auburn's going to play in a bowl game this year and it's a big rivalry. So maybe Bama could stumble there in uh, the Iron Bowl. That would certainly be a great thing. It's happened before. It's happened before. It has happened before. It's happened when Auburn's been a little bit better. But, uh, you know, Alabama has had their national championship hopes dashed by the Auburn Tigers on two occasions that that I can think of. Uh, And one of those was when Bo Nix was the quarterback for Auburn in 2019. So I think that when you look at those two teams that, that you mentioned, you know, Texas or Florida State, who's more likely to lose? The answer is Texas for two reasons. Number one, Florida State hasn't been that impressive, but they have been better than Texas, who just make a habit out of building big leads, coming out you know, and playing well in the first half, and then they just suck in the second half. And it feels like at some point that could come back to bite them because a second loss removes them from the playoff discussion as it should. Now, the problem with that is Iowa State is, is, is a decent team. I, I, I don't know if they're a great team. Texas at their peak is a great team. 
They don't always peak, though. They tend to play to the level of their competition. They've been scraping by even way more so than Washington in in recent weeks with the games that they've been playing, the final scores that you've seen. They have been those games have been as close as the scores look. You hear that expression sometimes. What like Oregon against USC? It finished as a nine point game. It yeah. wasn't really a nine point game. Okay, it's Oregon was much three. better than nine points. Uh, they, they were more than nine points better than USC. They just didn't play their best brand of football. But Texas is playing. They played a close game with TCU. They played a close game with Houston. They played a close game with somebody else. Kansas State. Forget. Yeah, Kansas State. And so they had a number of opportunities to lose, and they haven't yet. Maybe this is the week that finally uh, comes to fruition there. But they're playing two Power 5 teams, at least. Iowa State on the road, and I think Texas Tech is also on the at road. Home. At home. Oh, no, they have that at home. Okay, yeah, they're not going to lose that game. But this is the week for Texas to lose before the Big 12 championship, where they could certainly lose, and that would knock them out. But Florida State plays two bad teams. Okay, Florida is not good. <laughs> like Florida is floundering. They're thinking about firing their head coach, Billy Napier. They are not good. More chaos in the coaching carousel if that yeah, happens. There, yeah, there oh could my be God. even more. The Mississippi State, you got two SEC jobs open and UCLA reportedly coming open after Saturday, which I think is not entirely, but a little bit ridiculous. Uh, that's a different conversation, though. But Florida State plays North Alabama. There's a 0% chance they lose that game. Zero. That will not happen. So then it comes down to a rivalry game, which, okay, valid. That, that like That's in Gainesville. In Gainesville, yeah. Okay, tough place. Could happen. But Texas playing at least two teams that in a theoretical world could beat them is more likely than, than Florida State losing one game to a team that could certainly beat them on the road. Like, I think Florida on the road is as tough as Iowa State on the road. So then you look at the next game, which is North Alabama against Texas Tech. Yeah, it's clearly uh, more likely that, that Texas would lose to Texas Tech than Florida State to North Alabama. So... That's where that's where we sit right now. But you know, I, until this show, I hadn't really thought about you know the the Georgia factor. Like Tennessee, I mean Tennessee stinks. They shouldn't be ranked. But Tennessee at home, eh, I don't know. Maybe if they're able to get it done, that would be great because that would ensure only one SEC team gets it. Sure. Yeah. And, and there's and there's a lot to go on from from you know the, the your previous talking point. I mean, the cool story, in my opinion, with Texas this year has been the emergence of their defensive line. I think that is kind of what has really helped them get into the the playoff discussion. We already knew they had Quinn Ewers at quarterback, great skill talent, Xavier Worthy, who was almost a duck. I remember I interviewed him during his time as a, as a major national recruit. Um, and then as far as Iowa State, they're kind of, you know, they've always kind of been that gritty team. Uh, Matt Campbell as their head coach, but they don't have Brock Purdy anymore. He's on my Niners. I'm not. I'm still. I'm still holding on to faith that Brock Purdy is the guy uh, for, for San Francisco. But you talk about Tennessee as well. They're they're a school that um, you know it it didn't go their way last week. I think they lost to Missouri, right? And then um, Elijah Drinkwitz uh, was was shaking hands with Hypo and he was saying we stand on business. And then he like dipped out right after he did that, which I think kind of took away from some of that uh, some of that swag. But, but yeah, I think really, I just kind of wanted to get, I'm trying to get a good feel for, I don't do a whole lot of playoff talk on my channel. So um, this one's a little bit more free flowing. Um, so we, we were talking about kind of who Oregon has to, you know, some of the rooting interests and, and where other, uh, where things kind of lie right now. Um, 
Uh, I don't know. Maybe we could talk a little bit about that Washington Oregon State game because I yeah, feel like it's, 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 it's not a, getting as much attention as it should. Well, no, because College Game Day isn't going there because their ESPN's a bunch of cowards. Um, but I here here's I Monday's episode of Locked On Pac-12. If you want my full thoughts on it, because I had a 16 minute rant that I thought was going to be closer to nine to ten, and well, it just kept going because I was pretty heated about that. Still am. It's utterly ridiculous, and everybody knows it. So. That game is a is a tricky one, right? You got Oregon's two biggest rivals going at it. I think it's a win-lose for some Duck fans. It's like, well, at least some, you know, someone's got to lose the game. That's good, but someone's got to win the game. That's bad. Boo. If you're looking from an objective standpoint for the Ducks, Washington is the side to root for here. And the reason is everything that I talked about earlier in the show, which is Florida State has been put ahead of Washington based on absolutely positively nothing so far. Not recency bias, not resume, nothing. So that worries me because if Washington loses, Max, is the committee really going to stick them at number five and keep them there? They should, just to be clear. Are they really going to do that, though? Mm. I, like I, I, I'd have my doubts, even though it's a road game against the number eleven team, and Washington's going into it as an underdog. I did not expect that. I mean, before I, the year, I could have seen it. Um, like Oregon State's a good team. I think. I, I think. By the way, I think Oregon State's going to win the game. I, I want Washington to win the game because okay. what I don't want to have introduced to the conversation is the possibility of there being a reshuffling of the next four. So the top four right now in order are Georgia, Ohio state, Michigan, and Florida state. The next four really, really the next three are the ones that, that matter. Cause Louisville is not going to make the playoff. Uh, at least yeah. I seriously doubt it's technically possible. They're nine and one, but yeah, I don't see that happening. So Oregon, Texas, and Alabama, or no, well, no, Washington is in there. So it is the next four. If Washington loses the game, Wash to Oregon State, Washington, Oregon, Texas, and Alabama, assuming those teams all win, which they will, would all have one loss. And I think the only thing right now that is keeping Washington from falling below the Texases and Alabamas of the world is that they're undefeated. And Oregon having played an undefeated team to a field goal loss on the road in which they outgained the Huskies and showed themselves well is the reason they're ahead right now. But if that loss gets introduced, it sounds drastic. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, Max, that Washington and Oregon could both drop two spots. I think you could see a flip of those four teams because clearly the committee does not think Washington is as good as their record indicates. So if their record is now being put in identical fashion right next to Texas and Alabama, who do you think they're going with? Washington or Texas and Alabama? Yeah. Oh, probably Bama. That's what I'm saying. I, but here's yeah. the thing. You can't put Bama ahead of Texas because Texas beat Bama. You have to honor that. The committee has done so, which has been good because head-to-head should matter above all else, not that it should be the only factor that gets into consideration here. So if Washington loses to Oregon State, even though it's the number 11 team on the road, what should happen is Washington should stay put at number five. They should they should because stay Because they have put. the head-to-head over Oregon. Right. And maybe if Oregon's loss suddenly doesn't look as good because of that loss, which would be you know really ridiculous, 
Maybe Texas moves up ahead of Oregon. Maybe, depending on what happens in the Iowa State game, though I don't think that should happen. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. But I just have this lingering sense of fear that Washington at 10 and 1 would not stay at number 5 and they could move down and you could see Texas go to 5. Bama right behind them because Bama has actually played a, a pretty good SEC schedule thus far and they've been impressive. And they have to stay behind Texas until Texas loses a second game. Washington has to stay behind or, or ahead of Oregon because Washington won the head to head and Washington would have one loss. Oregon would have one loss. Oregon could fall, could, could fall down to eight. I, I think it's dramatic. No, I'm I, not guaranteeing that that happens, but I, I cannot shake the possibility of that coming to fruition come Tuesday night. And and I would say I could see it as well. You know, it, it took me a second just kind of following, you know, everything that you said there, but it's, it's kind of like Oregon and, um and Bama are in, you know, very similar spots, like no duh because of their record, but they both lost the critical head to heads with someone who's ahead of them. And um, I think both teams, Alabama and Oregon have respectively looked better than their head to head loss has since that head-to-head loss, right? That's Washington, true. Washington's, they almost lost to ASU. They looked bad against Stanford. That wasn't as close of a game, but it was still a close game that they shouldn't have had issues with. And then you look at Texas, to your point, they're... they're Stanford uh, was a close game. Stanford should have been able to drive down and kick a game-winning field goal, but they dropped the ball on fourth, fourth down. down. Yeah, yeah. Cause I guess the, the box score I meant because it was 10. But yeah, it was a close game. So they're, they're really in similar situations as far as that goes and how their one loss has looked since they beat them. So that's a scary situation. I could definitely see it. Um, I, I definitely want to talk about some more, get s- some more of your thoughts on um, the Ducks since they're heading to the desert. But um, a- any more thoughts on just kind of Texas and Alabama and, and just the overall playoff before we talk a little bit of Ducks here as we always have to? War Eagle and go Rocky Top. Okay, that's who okay. Oregon should be rooting for. Uh, we're 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 big Rocky Top fans in Tennessee because that would ensure only one SEC team can get in. 
And next week in the Iron Bowl, would not be upset if Auburn just takes Alabama out of the running right then and there. Would not be mad. And, and I would imagine that um, in this scenario, I don't think it's it's pretty clear why Oregon fans want to root for Auburn. But given the history, I would imagine there are some fans that might have a little bit of a difficulty, should we yeah, say? Yeah, that. I know. I know. I know. Dyer was down, but we got to focus on the here and now. I mean, if, if Auburn can help us get access to winning a national championship, then let's make it happen. For sure. For sure. Well, it's it's going to be an interesting weekend of college football. Um, you got Oregon and ASU at one o'clock Pacific on the road in Tempe and Kenny Dillingham his first year at, at Arizona state. It, it's been a rough one, but I, I did a podcast uh, yesterday. Now, when you guys are listening to this with Richie Bradshaw of locked on sun devils, he had a lot of nice things to say about you, Spencer. So that's what's up. Yeah. He's a good um, guy. He's coming on and, my, uh, my Friday show as well. There you go. There you go. Um, but he said that there's a pretty good amount of optimism around that program right now, given that uh, Ray Anderson's out. Um, the the donors have clearly backed that move and supported that move. That, As that they he, should. He resigned. He didn't get fired, to be clear. But um, I think the, the big storyline out of that is that the NIL support has doubled in the time since uh, they there's a change at leadership there. But Oregon... Oregon has uh, not always had the best uh, best of times, not only in the desert, but not the best of times in November. Um, you look at last year against Oregon State, a uh, game that they were winning handedly, and then things kind of – it, it fell off, uh, kind of the, the wheels It was, it was a catastrophe is what it, it was. was. Catastrophe, yeah, whatever powerful word you want to use. But what what's your, what's your vibe uh, on the Ducks heading into this game against Arizona State? With the with the idea that we know that that win over uh, USC could have been a lot more convincing. Yeah, I, I think they're going to come out motivated. I think they're going to make a, a convincing statement in this game. Jaden Rashad is not going to play for Arizona State. That came out uh, courtesy of Richie of Locked On Sun Devils uh, the other day. So I, I think that Arizona State is going in the right direction, just to be clear. You know, they have three wins on the season, one of them against my – uh, my Thunderbirds back in in week one, a game that they should have lost, frankly. But th this team that found out before the season, hey, because of decisions that were made by people who aren't currently associated with the program, um, we can't play in a bowl game this year. And, you know, I think they knew it was going to be a rebuilding year anyway down there. But th this Arizona State team, make no mistake about it, they play hard. They have given Washington fits the last two years winning once they're the last team to beat Washington actually for a reason. Okay. Like they are a team that comes out and plays hard. Their defensive coordinator, Brian Ward is really good. Oregon has to come out and play well to win. But if Oregon plays the way they're capable of, there's nothing Arizona state can do to stop them. You know, this is an ASU team that yes, they do play tremendously hard. They also granted on the road lost to Utah 55 to three, you know, like that's the, like the, 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 the ceiling for Arizona State is higher than it appears, but the floor is as low as you think. And I think that for Oregon, their ceiling is so high. You know, Dan Lanning talks all the time, and a lot of coaches do, about playing to a standard. And if Oregon just avoids dumb penalties and doesn't have some sloppiness here and there and, and executes well and is maybe able to hit a field goal every now and then, Oregon is going to be just fine. And I, and I think Oregon's going to be fine. I, I think they sense, you know, as the number six team in the country, the importance of – 
playing every week and winning every week and that style points matter here. I think that much is clear. I wrote about this over at 750thegame.com that, you know, one of the reasons Oregon is ahead of Texas right now is that they have beaten inferior teams by a lot and Texas hasn't. Because if you look at the resumes between Texas and Oregon, Texas has the best win of either team right? Winning 35 to six at Utah was a great win. Make no mistake about it. It's not beating Alabama in Tuscaloosa by 10. Okay. So that's the best individual win. Then the record is the same. So why would Oregon be ahead of Texas? Because Texas is playing a three point game with Houston, a three point game with TCU, less than a touchdown game. Uh, They think they won by three against Kansas state. They're playing these teams. They should be better than and beating by a lot. And they aren't. Meanwhile, Oregon was up 20 until a late touchdown against Washington State, beat Colorado and Stanford 42 to 6, beat Cal 63 to 19. No one has pushed them this year except for Texas Tech, who was better with Tyler Shuck at quarterback early in the season, and Washington, who beat them. And Washington's a top five team. And I and I think Oregon's loss is better than Texas's as well. And that's why they're there. But I think the margin of victory factor is a component as to why Oregon is in that is in that position ahead of Texas and Texas beating Bama is why they're ahead of Bama. So I think that that's an important factor for the Ducks here. And I think the team is aware of that and they're going to come out motivated and play well. And Arizona State, look, they're going to, I think, throw the kitchen sink at Oregon, try some trick plays and craftiness and all that sort of stuff. They will play hard. I think Oregon's dominance in the trenches is going to show up in a big way here. And I, I think the Ducks will be fine. I find it so interesting, Spencer, that uh, some people try to detract from Oregon uh, with that Texas Tech win. That was week two of the season, and it was on the road in Lubbock, which was a pretty crazy environment. But do, do we not know? Can we not admit that teams grow and get better over the year? Like if you if you line those teams up again, I think you feel very good about Oregon delivering a similar, if not better results. But I got two more things I want to hit on, Spencer, before we get out of here. Um, I think just you and I have both been following Oregon for a long time. We know how dangerous this game is. I don't know if we want to call it a trap game. Kind of feels fitting, but it's dangerous, right? So given how Oregon has been able to or not been able to finish the job in the past, where's the confidence at with this team right now with Dan Lane at the helm, just in terms of being locked in and taking care of stuff? Because I feel for one, that it's different from the Mario Cristobal era. I feel like there's a lot more confidence, and maybe that's because we're seeing these cinematic recaps that show us what Dan Lanning's like behind uh Those, behind those are doors. so awesome. Dude, shout out Scott Anderson. I mean, those things are fantastic. They're amazing. That's why I had to ask him about it when I was in Eugene last week. But I feel like the combination of Lanning being locked in, this coaching staff being locked in, Bo Nix, the most experienced quarterback ever in college football, I feel like there's a different kind of confidence, and I think Oregon's going to be able to win big. Yeah, I do too. And when you look at Lanning's track record in his second season now as Oregon's head coach, where's the game where they've played down to their level of competition? The answer probably is Oregon State last year, and they were winning that game by 21 points and had just the the worst sequence of events and special teams disasters and everything like that. And by the way, that wasn't some 3-9 and nine Oregon State team. That was a 10-win Oregon State team that, that went into a bowl game and crushed Florida out of the SEC because they were the better team. So I, I think that, you know, all the wins that like, – like look at Lanning's losses, okay? Georgia, Washington, Oregon State last year, Washington this year. Which, by the way, Oregon last year was an underdog to Oregon State by the time the line closed. They were an underdog to Georgia. 
They were a favorite against Washington, should have been able to win that game. But we know how good, you know, the Huskies have been the last couple of years. They were an underdog against the Huskies this year. Where's the where's the big, you know, kind of letdown spot where you go, ah, like that wasn't great. It was probably USC last week is I think one of the worst performances and maybe Texas Tech of the Dan Lanning era. And they win those games and they're covering the spread. Good teams win. Great teams cover, as we all know. But when they're playing bottom feeders in particular, like, like I'll, I'll ask you this question real quick. When they're playing a bottom half team in the Pac-12 the last two seasons, what's their worst performance? Mm. Probably, I'd probably have to say Oregon State. I mean, the no, 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 no. Oh, bottom, sorry, bottom, 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 bottom half sorry. team in the Pac-12. Sorry, sorry. Um, I want to say Cal. Cal last Cal, year? Cal, Cal last year on the road. Um, I'm trying to think of exactly the, the results. I mean, obviously, I covered the I think game, the final score of that game was like 40 They, they pulled away. 17. They pulled away. Um, okay, I'm they, looking at it right now. It was 42 to 24 in Berkeley. Um, and I don't, do you consider Washington, Washington State's the bottom now? But that was a, a close game last year. I think Washington State last year is the answer that I had in my mind, where – Look, the Cougs were a solid team a year ago, but they shouldn't have that. Like Oregon should have lost the game, not not could have lost in Pullman last year. They should have lost the game, found a way to win. That I think is the only example of, hey, this is a you know bottom half team. And Washington State was solid last year, but that was a very underwhelming performance. And Oregon just can't get out of their own way. But when they've played the Stanford's, the Colorados, you know Arizona last year. They just cow. They've won these games big because they're playing. They're truly playing to a standard. You know, Mario Cristobal. We saw the peaks and valleys, right? Peak winning at Ohio State, great win. One of the best Oregon non-conference wins, you know, outside of bowl season in the last 15, 20 years. Outstanding win. Also, in that same season, that team played a one in four Cal team at home and needed a goal line stand as time expired. Like you just haven't seen that. You just haven't seen that with this Dan Lane team. So I'll, I'll wrap with my prediction here real quick. I've got Oregon winning 45 to 13. I could see them not quite scoring 40. The ASU defense is good. I think Oregon's offense has just got more high end talent across the board. Hard to not like how Bo Nix is playing. Will Stein's up for the Broyles award, uh, which is the best coordinator in the country. He should be. And I, I think the ducks are going to win this one. They'll be just fine. Yeah, I, I'm on a similar level. I got 49 to, to 13. There was one more question I wanted to ask you, Spencer, if that'd be yeah. cool. Yeah, real um, quick. I'm, I'm kind of trying to look at this game and just look at where Oregon's at right now and try to identify their their biggest weakness. Um, I think that... Field penalties, goals and kickoffs. Okay, for sure. I could, yeah, I could see that. Field goals and kickoffs. Tell me a bit more. I mean, Camden Lewis has missed a field goal in five of the last six games. I have I, I I hate to say this because he had such an awesome story and career arc and he stuck it out with Oregon after he lost his kicking job. If he lines up for a field goal outside of 35 yards, I currently have Alejandro Maldonado levels of no confidence that he's gonna make the kick. I mean, you know, the long one against Cal, sure it's tough, but guess what? I watched Cal's guy drill like a 47 yarder, and that was in the rain as well. And he had plenty of leg on it. And I'm watching kickers around the conference and I'm like, yeah. Camden's having a bad year. I've got, you know, if a game comes down to a field goal, frankly, of any length, I have no personal confidence in in Camden Lewis right now, which, you know, shouldn't matter to him. 
he's got to believe in himself. Coaching staff, teammates, they, they're the ones that need to believe. But I, I, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel confident in Oregon's ability to make a field goal in a critical spot. I mean, Camden could have put the game away entirely against USC. He missed, and it wasn't particularly close. And he could have put the game into overtime against Washington, and he missed. Like, it's it's a bad spot. And, you know, Andrew Boyle is back this week for the Ducks. I think he's going to do the kickoffs because Camden Lewis keeps sending the ball out of bounds. And, like, you're costing your defense 10, 15 yards with that. So I think that's the weakest area. It can absolutely cost Oregon a game. I think uh, penalties is, a, is, is second to the field yeah. goal concerns. And, and the reason that I put penalties second, Max, is last week, 120 penalty yards. Yep, it was bad. That's no good. Some of those penalties were hot garbage. Okay. Yeah. 30 of those penalty yards, the pass interference on Tysheem Johnson, T Ferg celebrating the touchdown, absolute utter trash. So again, 90 yards, too many, not, not, not disagreeing there, but the kicking game is my biggest worry for the ducks. Yeah. I think that that definitely comes into account uh, or comes into play, obviously in closer games. Um, I don't think Oregon, should find themselves in that situation this week. I mean, if they ha- if they find themselves in a close game this week, we got a whole lot to talk about. Um, but I, I do believe Dan Lanning said it's going to be a while before we see Andrew Boyle again. I know it was a surprise that he rejoined the team. Is he not? Is he not playing this I, week? I don't think he's playing this week. Uh, okay. um, I, I have to look for the exact quote. Well, then Cameron's just got to keep the ball in play, yeah. man. This ASU offense is bad, and they don't need any help. Yeah, they really don't, especially when they're at home. Don't make this game harder than it needs to be. And don't shoot yourself in the foot. Uh, that is the theme uh, of the week. And that's a theme that we saw too much in the Mario Cristobal era. And it looks like we're seeing a little bit less of it, but it's still popping up with Dan Lanning uh, this year. So before we get out of here, Spencer, where can people find more of you and your work? I host Locked on Ducks and Locked on Pac-12, which are podcasts on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcast, Monday through Friday, all year round. And I'm at Twitter at Smalls underscore 55. If you want to follow along or shoot me a message over there, DMs and mentions always wide open but max great to be on with you as always my man absolutely man thank you for coming on if you guys want to find more of me you can follow me on twitter and instagram at m sports subscribe to my youtube channel at oregon football max taurus we're on the road 3k appreciate the support and you can read all my stuff covering the ducks and oregon football recruiting over on ducksdigest.com but until next time appreciate you guys for taking some time out of your day to talk some ball with me a big thank you to spencer for coming on and we'll see you in the next episode of the ducks dish podcast